Again, according to IDMB, did I say that right? And welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. I'm your host, Aaron, and as always, I'm here with my host, Christina, and it is Shark Week early or late. I don't really know when real Shark Week is. This is the only Shark Week that matters here on Digesting Cinema, and we are covering the only shark classic as far as I'm concerned, Deepest, Bluest, My Head is Like a Shark's Been, Deep Blue Sea, directed by Rennie Harlan, 1999. But before we get into that, let me go over to my host, Christina. How are you? I'm doing great. I feel like so many people are probably going to be like, pick Jaws and like keep talking about classic cinema. And I'm like, you know what, guys, we've had some serious conversations on this show. Okay, It's, you know, it's like the real world. Like, let's stop being polite and let's start getting real. Let's start picking Mm. up like, you know, typical great movies. And this movie was a movie. That is faux show. This is my favorite pun, and I don't have a lot of shark puns because honestly, there's not a lot of shark puns. This movie's a lot of fin. A lot of fin. It's three sharks, not one shark like Jaws. So we have way more to talk about there. There's bad movies that aren't fun to watch, and there's bad movies that are fun to watch. And to my knowledge, you could call Blair Witch Project bad, but you'd be wrong. I think this is our first truly bad movie, but it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, this is, I think, one that is much less important with the plot because the plot is pretty basic. It's test facility with sharks being tested for Alzheimer's. I think they were working on Alzheimer's. And let me provide you with the official synopsis, ladies and gentlemen. Searching for a cure to Alzheimer's disease, a group of scientists on an isolated research facility become the prey as a trio of intelligent sharks fight back. So yep. I believe the premise of this is that sharks' brains can, like, regenerate. So they're doing tests on sharks to then hopefully use that into Alzheimer's patients. Is, I so, guess, uh, the main yeah. focus of the scientists. Sure, I guess. But it's really not the focus of this movie. Uh, no. This movie is set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece. And... A few on sound stages as well, but mostly I was actually pretty impressed by the scale of the sets. I didn't do a ton of research on this one. Didn't do Blair Witch levels. Never will again. I have to live a life outside this podcast. But with this movie, they did use, I think, the water tankers from Titanic. So like in the particular scenes with the flooding, why those seem so real, like they're actually using set pieces from the Titanic. So it's kind of funny. There's a little connection there but yeah it just overall this movie was based on science but don't really think about the science because you're going to ruin yourself at every turn right away at the beginning with the scientist played by Saffron Burroughs and I'm going to use a lot of general names because I don't remember a lot of their names being used in this movie to be honest with you like there wasn't a whole lot of character development it was Dr. Susan McAllister who was played by Saffron Burroughs but she's talking with one of the investors you know who's played by Samuel L. Jackson, who's just standing above some white guy. I don't know who that was that he was with, but he never has a line. Samuel L. Jackson are talking. This is after the first shark attack of the movie, where it's the two couples on a boat drinking some wine, listening to a boombox. They're having a party. We- ha- we're having a party was the line that was used. 
Do you but, miss yeah. boom boxes? Yeah. Can we just talk about that one real quick? Because like I had a sick boom box and then I upgraded it to like the three CD disc changer, like full on stereo. And everybody just has Bluetooth speakers. And I just feel like, you know, the fact that you mentioned a boom box, all right, you can continue. I just wanted to give some love to our old school tech. Yeah, I actually, boom boxes, I think I never had an actual boom box, but I, I had the stereo set up in my room with the three speakers where I could put them and have that surround, listen to my corn, my chumbawamba, and my Limp Biscuit chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water albums. Definitely. And this is so exactly this is exactly the time period, 1999. This is the height of the powers of those. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I had multiple nights where I'd watch Deep Blue Sea and then go listen to my music in my room while not crying you know just being being a man in there hanging out um but anyways the first little epilogue one of the test sharks i guess gets out and attacks the four people on the boat but the thing that's kind of interesting is thomas jane the main like hero guy who what is his name carter <laughs> he's like the aquaman scientist guy he comes out of nowhere. That, like, rides sharks for a living yes. Like, yeah, yeah he's, dolphins. <laughs> he's pretty much like the little kid in Free Willy was with Willy, but with sharks. That's essentially, and I'm just going to trust you've seen Free Willy. Uh, absolute classic. <laughs> we should have done Free Willy and just <laughs> been like, killer, killer whale, killer whale counts. It's more dangerous than a shark. But anyways, man, Deep Blue Sea, that first scene kind of just sets you up for what this movie is. It's pretty ridiculous, but I mean, they get control of the shark and then we see like that we get to this facility. Is it called Aquatica? I believe is the name of the... Uh, it's an isolated, like huge boat facility, like... Where they have a skeleton crew on the weekends. Um, this movie has more ex expository dialogue than any movie we've watched so far. When Samuel Jackson, the investor, gets there and like the helper, like research assistant is like, uh, do you want to tour the facility? He's like, yes. And talk to me like I'm a tourist, a.k.a. explain everything about this facility that we don't really need to know, but we want to. So this feels like a real movie. Starts to do the whole tour. We see a really weird looking Michael Rappaport with. Yeah, like, I love Michael Rappaport, like a lot. What did you think of his look in this movie? Where he's never I was more into it because he didn't look like himself at all. <laughs> he looked like Michael Rapaport in disguise. His name was Tom Scoggs Scoggin. I never heard one person call him that. Not one. I know like I did. Guy, so it was like very weird seeing him like be smart. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah, it was the classic. Everybody has their kind of like science role as you know, the rest of the crew is leaving for the weekend. There's yeah. a tropical storm incoming and, you know, 30 foot high waves over the, which they specifically mentioned later in the movie, eight foot tall steel fence gates. So at that point, the sharks could have escaped just during the storm since they were 30 foot waves. On, but this isn't that kind of movie. So don't worry about it. So there's a storm. I think it like knocks out a bunch of power and communications like in the whole sub, right? Well, we had our girl Brenda holding it down up in like the eagle eye. Yeah, Brenda was great. Brenda is from the Sopranos. Tony Soprano's sister in the Sopranos. Ada Totoro. I'm not sure if she has anything to do with John Totoro, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so Brenda was in charge of most of the communication. And so she was like the lookout. Oh crap, the waves are coming in. I mean, mm -hmm. I like I did, I had like a lot of parallels from this movie with like Jurassic Park and Titanic. Definitely mixed into one and yeah, with and like anaconda like if that's what you if you took <laughs> jurassic park titanic and anaconda put it in a blender you got mm -hmm. 
Lucy. Yeah, I agree. And it, but it, it works. And this is like not something that usually works when you, especially in the shark genre. Like I was going through a lot of shark movies I've seen this past week and like Sharknado, that movie is just stupid. It's really not enjoyable. Like this movie is stupid, but it's enjoyable throughout. And the set pieces are very impressive. And it's just the right amount of that cheesy late 90s CGI where they don't over rely on it, but they still rely on it too much now, like 20 plus years later. But it's not enough to where it's like Phantom Menace levels of just like everything is CGI. They're still doing real things like there's actual water coming into the silo in that scene and you know like let's just kind of get to the second shark gone wrong moment yeah uh, yeah so stone Skarsgård, who's one of my favorite Skarsgårds, he's the cigarette smoking scientist guy jim whitlock is his name and he's dating janice i believe the blonde chick who gave the tour at the beginning he's smoking a cigarette and talking about how they need to put these sharks down they're like getting out of control and then saffron burros is doctor is like susan is like all about these sharks over everything like i felt like i really felt bad for her she was so obsessed like this was like obviously something that meant a lot to her but like she didn't even realize that she was literally creating monsters yeah she defends them relentlessly and just i mean they want to shut down the project and she's like the doctor who's like we can't shut it down so then things go a little more wrong shark who's supposed to be sedated wakes up like during like it's quasi brain surgery i guess and well, i'm gonna just rewind to the our shark boy that like rides them like somehow subdued him in pitch black so like he's like a super shark whisperer in the dark mm-hmm. and then they like bring him in they like sucked him up into the submarine like it was actually pretty high tech so i was very impressed like i was like this could really happen we could experiment on sharks like this but yeah, yeah exactly. they were all up in his brain and then like you know in a shocking turn of events to literally nobody he wakes up mid-brain mm-hmm. surgery mm-hmm. and wiles out yeah wiles out takes out the arm of jim whitlock and i mean i remember when i was a kid that part really scared me actually oh um, yeah so, clean off yeah it's like yeah, i wasn't expecting it the first time i watched it at least and maybe if i watch it now for the first time i'd be a little ret- more right but yeah the arms clear off i mean honestly all of the actors are pretty good in this bad movie like they put on convincing enough performances they're not but i mean the reaction by the blonde woman of like the screaming and just you see him writhing in pain there and just like shocked and they're like trying to get everything in control and this is like when the storm starts to pick up even more they get them to the helicopter that had came their best here's my thing here's where i am at this point which we will get to how ridiculous this is but like you're in a major storm you're major you're in relatively high-tech facility with scientists i understand you're probably not saving his life but like you really thought that like the helicopter in the tropical storm was going to like we thought that was going to be our best option here like they're they're just reeling him up on the slowest turning thing like ever and you just get him out it was so windy yeah he's just blowing around like you could see him all wrapped up and you yeah, could just I see the they left him. They were like, okay, he got hooked up. D- 
juices. Yeah, they're like, we're good. We don't need, because, you know, the tension has to be maintained. So he's getting reeled up and then Shark comes out, snaps him, pulls down the whole helicopter, crashes it right into the comm tower, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. I don't even, I, I watched this movie almost a week ago and I still remember this pretty clearly because it's just that kind of movie. And so out goes our communications and our communications girl who's listening to some great music, singing along, dancing. The comedic relief is taken out second, I guess, to the doctor and then the helicopter pilots who never really had a chance. So yeah, we're back down below and everybody is trying to get their shit together. Uh, Everybody's losing their minds a little bit, ready to get to the scene. Well, and then, right? So Brenda's already taken out. Yes. And then poor Scowlin Skarsgård, he has the breathing apparatus on him. Mm Mm-hmm. So he like falls off of the helicopter and then he gets snatched up when I was like, oh, that sucks. Like he's dead. And then he gets thrown into the glass and they basically just watch him because he's still conscious because he's still breathing. And then this glass is breaking. This does not seem like this. You're still surrounded by sharks that are clearly Mm -hmm. strong enough to break it. Like I feel like this design idea was not intelligent. Like who made this? It's almost like it was made for something else and they got like a really good deal on it at like an auction and they're like we're just gonna make this like a super testing facility for killer sharks Right, like what could go wrong they broke through the glass relatively easy is there anything else you want to say about that scene because that seemed like that was a tough one yeah and it was pretty creepy like you could see i mean it's like it's pretty smart i haven't seen that in a movie before where like a guy's breathing apparatus ended up causing his like suffering to prolong underwater so right, it kind of surprised him. Him. Yeah. yeah he's bleeding out he's like mm-hmm. oh i'm about to get saved then doesn't so like that's already the trauma then the helicopter mm-hmm. takes out like his friend and then he's yep. underwater gets snapped matched up and then still has to like live through all of that until either he gets actually in or his oxygen runs out and he drowns so like fun times yeah he kind of got lucky by getting eaten finally because it's like your arms bleeding out it's like that guy probably had the toughest death of them all and he was first so you know shout out to stone scars guard yeah do you want to get to the samuel L. jackson scene now oh my god that's there isn't i want to say is there anything else so like basically people are flooding we're panicking everybody's panicking yeah. nobody can decide what to do yeah yeah, and they're all like paralyzed and then and uh, so is alone still yeah and we'll get to him in a second because honestly all of his stuff until the final like 30 minutes he's not even connected to this group it's right. not really connected to the plot it's kind of one of my biggest critiques of the movie is how separate he was from the rest of the crew for like the entire movie and then all right. of a sudden he's like the focal point that's one of the biggest problems with this movie for me so samuel jackson had been hinting at a traumatic event he was a part of earlier they had survived turned out he survived an avalanche a long time ago and for like multiple days without food or water and everybody else had died except him he brings this up to the crew as they're kind of groveling in their boots or their science coats and all just freaking out and like frozen he's like gives us this rousing speech Speech. Did you know it was coming during that speech? No. All I knew oh is Christina, you need to really pay attention to what's happening right now. And I was like, yes. oh, okay. And then I'm like, I am into it. I'm like, yes. Samuel this... Jackson, bro. I just watched Snakes on a Plane like a, like a month ago. I'm mm-hmm. like, I am ready. He's about to drop some fire. You just feel very safe with him at this point. And you're like, all right. Yeah. And like, he's like, <laughs> we're going to get out of here and we're going to get off 
of this whatever research facility. And then he's getting to the final end of it. And out of the water, out of nowhere, CGI shark gulps him. Snatched him! Snatched him! There's no slow death here. This is one and done, baby. Snatched him up. like, And he's dead. Samuel L. Jackson is dead. Like and halfway this is, through the movie. Yeah, it's like this is was not being done at the time. This is right around the same time that Scream. Spoiler alert for Scream if you haven't seen Scream. But uh, Drew Barrymore dies at the beginning of Scream. It's that style, but it's in the middle of the movie. So it's even right. more unpredictable here. At that point, you don't know who's safe, who's not. It adds a huge amount of dramatic effect to the rest of the movie. Definitely the highlight of the movie for a reason. It's just classic Samuel L. Jackson. And he's eaten. And I mean, his speech achieved that everybody gets in the gear after that and starts running. They go all to the silo. Before we get there, I just want to talk about LL Cool J and Bird or Parrot. Parrot. Named Bird. Loved Bird. Probably my favorite part of the movie. My favorite character in the movie. The foul-mouthed parrot who just like talks back to Preacher, I believe was his name. Yeah. Okay. I have switching up between Preacher and Priest. But um, yeah, Preacher played by LL Cool J. LL Cool J just being LL Cool J as a chef. Not a lot of acting there, but he's just charming being himself regardless. He's given us knowledge about how to make a good omelet. A lot of people think a good omelet's three eggs. It's actually two eggs. That's really good. And people add milk for density big mistake so i've been making that mistake for a while so thanks ll for uh, helping me with my chef game but just talking back with the parrot it's pretty fun stuff they do have the one big kind of action scene with the shark in the oven which wow. i thought was pretty Dear god the pretty, oven. pretty hilarious the, pretty hilarious these, pretty impossible these yeah. sharks these sharks can turn on ovens so watch only it. am i believing that a grown man is fitting inside an oven even an industrial size and then the shark turns it on by the click of a button what oven is a click of a button okay and not only now he's getting cooked and now all of a sudden he has a weapon that he can now break through the top and then climbs out that little, little on top. Yeah, he had the axe. And I was like, man, this is so 1999. Like, honest to God, watching this movie, I was like, yo, did Michael Bay direct this? Like, some uh, of the re- happening was, like, outrageous. This movie was directed by Rennie Harlan. So Rennie Harlan is, I would say, a discount Michael Bay, which is not a compliment. Rennie Harlan has done movies like Die Hard 2, which Die Hard 2 is great, but it's by far his best movie. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, not a great movie. Cliffhanger, a really not a great action movie. Long Kiss Goodnight, Guilty Pleasure. But yeah, he's just a straight action director. Everything up and down his list, like Legends of Hercules. I think he did Cutthroat Island, which was like a discount hook. This is one of Rennie Harlan's best. But yeah, it's very Michael Bay-esque. When LL Cool J finally gets on out of the oven by you know axing through the top of it and uh then there's a lot of spots where bird almost gets eaten and we know how that ends but he bird, gets out of the oven <laughs> yeah we knew bird's the emotional death in the movie yeah bird does not make it and bird got me pretty sad and teared up I did tear up when Bird died. That just I wasn't like that serious about it. It was just like I just went, oh no. No, no, I teared up. I'm not not ashamed. I'm not saying I cried. They welled up though, and uh, I got emotional. I got emotional. (laughs) I don't know. I, I I like never cry, so I'm not sure. But. Then uh, he ends up tricking the shark into swimming right into the gas leak ovens. They explode. The explosion causes a ripple effect throughout the entire research facility that 
causes, I think, the water to spring into the silo, which helps them rise to the top. I feel like I wasn't totally always following, like, why they were dry and then the water would come in. Because I was like, I feel like you just explained that, like, water can't come in here. And then, like, it totally did. And then you were like, well, we can't go here because of the water. And then you still went there anyway. So I feel like the writing was a little bit off on, like, where the water should be or how it's affecting them. But it was just kind of like a free-for-all of, like, there's probably, you're probably going to drown. Yeah, exactly. We keep going up. They slowly start to get picked off kind of one by one. I'm not sure if any of the deaths particularly stood out to you besides the couple that we spoke about. Again, literally anybody that gets snatched up, I'm here for. I don't remember how Rappaport died and I I was bummed because I really enjoyed him. Or the one who died in the silo, was that the blonde one where she was like hanging there and then the shark just like they got her. Yeah, and that was one of the easiest deaths for me to watch just because she was so whiny the whole yeah. time and just like, it's like when she went, I was like the opposite of Bird. I was very happy about it. Michael Rapaport. I don't really remember how he died. I almost am willing to say it happened nearly off screen because I do not remember when and how he died. The thing I do want to get is the doctor towards the end. A little naked? Yeah, when she strips down uh, out of her <laughs> wetsuit why did she do that not complaining but just wondering was she attracted to the sharks oh my like, god she was going mad. she took yeah. her wetsuit off so she could electrocute it and use the rubber as a conductor yeah well okay all something that won't electrocute you <laughs> That really seems like the director was trying to figure out a way to get Saffron Burroughs to be in her underwear on camera. That, sense, like her, the reasoning made sense that she didn't want to electrocute. So she used, I don't know what the, I feel like an idiot now because I feel like this was fourth grade science. It's that whatever the opposite of a conductor is, is what she uh, the wetsuit for. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. This I, is I'm, not, I'm a smart person, but it's not. This just look it up on IDMB. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to stop. Uh, digesting science and get back to the cinema so yeah i just thought that was a weird scene she is willing to do anything for the sharks including you know like die for them so we finally get to the surface after you know a few more set pieces that honestly the last third of this movie blends a little bit together for me the first two thirds are much more memorable for me it starts to get a little bit samey with like flooding sharks right glass breaking like it really doesn't that music got a little bit old as we went to it felt like it had been in 700 other action movies and they just added it to this one too but we get to the surface probably with who you could have expected to make the surface at the beginning of the movie right. uh, like the main people maybe aside from samuel jackson not being there l cool j makes it thomas jane's character carter makes it and dr susan makes it and there's one more shark remaining and they're trying to bust out of the fence and get free and this one shark if it gets free will just destroy the whole world i guess or something so they gotta do something to stop it and what do you think of kind of the final climactic face-off so, once again shark boy over here is riding a shark like i literally i can't even okay i don't i don't even know but ll gets snatched up so now i'm because again i've never seen this movie and i'm screaming and i watch all my movies with anthony and i was like really i was like this is how they're gonna do ll he made the whole movie he even said it he's like i know how people like me are in these type of situations we never make it and i was like we were at the end of the movie we got to the service and that's how they're gonna take him out and lo and behold ll cool j is the hero he is the man we need to take out the final 
shark, even though he's bleeding, even though he got snatched up and they were just like dragging him around. I was like, well, yeah. what am I watching? What am I watching? He's just getting dragged back and forth. And luckily he had his Jesus piece on him because he oh, starts yeah, just right. starts yeah. jamming this crucifix into the shark's face, kills the shark, gets taken back to the shore. And he's just like, takes a nap. Like he's just like, oh, I'm just kind of bored out from this huge shark attack. Like he's fine. <laughs> he's pretty much fine. Like there's not really hard. From the leg, but he's fine. But like he's like just like I'm gonna take a nap. Like his reaction to it was like really worked. Just like had a had a nice workout. So I thought that was you know, and he's fine. Doctor Susan, her re- didn't she died before before we got there, didn't she? Dude, I don't even remember. If, yeah, I didn't think Doctor Susan made it. I think Doctor Susan died at some point. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't gonna be our most thorough breakdown today, you know. But it was just there's a lot to take in from such a simple, stupid movie. At the end of the day, Carter and Priest survive, and we exit with L. Cool J's classic, "Deepest Bluest." My head is like a shark's fin. I still don't know what that means to this day but i remember that song like no other any more thoughts on deep lucy our most shallow breakdown yet i i will say i did watch this probably i normally try to watch the movie like a day before so it's a little bit more fresh i watched this like a week before because i was like how hard is this movie gonna be to remember but yeah no this movie was wild if you are just looking for like a stupid fun movie if you like seeing people getting snatched up this is your movie it's great in the yeah. stupidest kind of way. It was definitely a really fun revisit towards the end, the last third. Like I said, not as fun because there wasn't as much character interaction and just like it just got a little bit repetitive and a little bit not predictable because the whole movie was pretty predictable. Just a little bit too generic as we went but also this is probably my second favorite shark movie ever. I still will say Jaws is my favorite. I'll go ahead and say that because I'll be boring. But I know this is probably my second favorite, though. And there's a lot of shark movies, not a lot of good shark movies, but a lot of shark movies. So that's something second is the best, as I always have to say. But yeah, any more thoughts? Are you ready to get to our ratings? No, let's let's rate this. All right. So um, I'll go first today on the rating. I think I might be a little bit lower than you, but maybe not. I'm going to give this a flat three out of five. I definitely think it's more than fresh if I was on Rotten Tomatoes. So that is that. I'd give it a 60%. But for as much as I love about the movie, there's a lot that I've seen this movie several times and I still don't remember a lot of it. And like, there's no character development, which is like, I know I don't need a lot, but like, I feel like they didn't say all the characters' names in this movie. And that's just weird to me. Like, that, <laughs> like I literally don't remember ever hearing some of these names, like Scoggs, Scoggins was, yeah, like, I don't remember. So I just got to dock it a little bit there. It's trying a little bit too hard for my liking to try to like make the science part of the movie while not focusing on science at all at any point when it's inconvenient on the plot. I know we're not supposed to think about science, but it's a science-based plot. And last thing, I did my internship at the Alzheimer's Association. And at the beginning of the movie, when Dr. Susan is talking about her father who had Alzheimer's, who still could recognize her at the late stages of his disease, I'm like, ma'am, you have no idea how well your father is doing to be in late stage Alzheimer's. 
and still recognize that you are his daughter. So right. like, there, it's just like, I I know that's like, but movies get Alzheimer's and dementia wrong so often. It is in all seriousness, one of my triggers in like a movie that I can't really ignore that trope when they screw it up. And most movies screw it up to make it more cinematic. So like, those are very nitpicky reasons, but so three out of five for this kind of movie is a four or five out of five for like most of the movies we've been reviewing so far. I still had a great time with it. It's just, I got to do the business. Three out of five. All right. This movie was wild, but it was not good. I would probably watch it again, though. No lie. <laughs> but I'm yeah. going to give it two and a half out of five because it's just not a good <laughs> And I know I feel like I made Pan's Labyrinth also very low, even though it was like a much better movie. It just wasn't my taste. This crap is kind of right up my alley of like, I know you're not good, but I'm still going to watch you repeatedly because you are a good time. So you're not good, yeah. but you're a good time. That's also like, I feel like people that I associate with also. <laughs> like as long Hello. as you're, yeah, as long as you're a good time, like I'm down to watch this movie again. And again, I am all about people getting snatched up. It's my favorite part. I like while out when it happens in the movie. I'm all about it. And this movie is just full of that. And it's just like so ridiculous. God, I miss the 90s. Things are so serious now. Everything mm-hmm. is serious. Movies, TV, like it was just fun to just have movies like this where it was so ridiculous like i just and i wish like actors that were like so talented like wouldn't you love to watch like denzel just like you know what i'm later in my career i've done what i need to do everyone knows i'm amazing let me do like deep blue c5 and just be ridiculous and just have fun and like make fun movies and like that's what we need to bring back everyone thank you for coming to my ted talk of making movies fun again No, I agree because this movie was fun while also, for the most part, taking itself serious, but not too serious. It's just the... It's a fine line. You can directly compare this with the movie 20 years later that came out, like The Meg, where The Meg took itself so seriously and tried to make the science so forefront and make everything. And it still wasn't accurate, obviously, but tried to be the serious like take on the movie. And it just wasn't fun at all. And that had, you know, some big stars and had like a Jason Statham in it. It had a few other like decent stars. And I remember when it was coming out, people were like, this is Deep Blue Sea for us. But like, no, it wasn't like it didn't have the fun sound track it didn't have just like when it needed to look the other way that my criticisms are also like some of the biggest pros of this movie and so yeah i think that we end up at 2.75 out of five i think that's pretty good i think that's where this movie belongs rating wise and that's really all i have to say on deep blue sea i'm not sure if you have more we are finished oh there it is Thank you. Thank you. Sharp, sharp pun there. Uh, I really appreciate you being on, you know, minding your P's and Q's here. And uh, I was hoping to run into a shark pun and I didn't. So we're going to move on to the recommendation section, which will be short this week. Um, We are doing a movie featuring a rapper for this week's subject. And we got a uh, request through our uh, Google Doc that Christina was sweet enough to come up with and develop because she is the reason this podcast is a podcast at all. Let's be honest. Uh, otherwise, it'd just be me rambling about funny girls still. Um, <laughs> but we do, we'll have a special guest coming on next week. Always a special guest. Whoever does want to come on, just contact us for the form or, you know, it's also available, uh, I believe, on the featured presentation Facebook page. But probably contact us for the forms the easiest way. 
we are filling up, so no guarantees. But Robert Kastner will be uh, joining us this next week. The ghost he's known as, I believe, in the fan leagues. Uh, super intelligent guy on everything I've gotten to talk to him about. And uh, he picked a really interesting movie that I have not gotten to see yet, but it's definitely been one on my list for a while. Starring Tupac Shakur, it is Juice. So neither one of us have seen that, correct? Nope. Yep. I've never seen it. No. I'm not going to look up what it's about either. I don't really want to know. I'm going to go in completely blind, but I trust Robert's taste, which is why he's, you know, getting to come on here in the first place. If we didn't trust your taste, we're probably not going to have you on. Uh, so no offense, um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm saying too much, but yeah, juice is our subject for next week. But yeah, I think that kind of, this will be our shortest, most shallow episode yet, but I think that we kind of covered everything there is to cover yeah. with regards to deep Lucy. We're not here to hammerhead the point. Yes. Uh -huh. Shark fun. But before we take off, Christine, any uh, tales you'd like to tell us? Shark Tales. Well, guys, today is the big week. My match will be premiering on Thursday, March 25th. And then you guys can check me out also on a certain point of view on Sunday to talk about it. I just actually booked that. So that is lovely. I love a uh, certain point of view. One of my favorite Schmodown after shows for obvious reasons, if you know me. But uh, anyways, you can find me at Aaron J-A-Y Brooks on Twitter. Christina over on Twitter is at Christina underscore V-E-E 19. I will remember that by the end of the year. But yeah, that takes us to the end of our Deep Blue Sea. Shark Week uh, has come to a finish it has uh been a wild ride until next week with juice with special guest robert castner keep digesting cinema out there everybody and keep taking care of each other peace out